uh, welcome to My Wax Museum. Thank you. I have uh, Russell Caldwell here. Uh, it's kind of weird. So there is like, there is an audience mm-hmm. on this, but you can't, you can't interact with them. So just be aware yeah. we're, not the only, we're not the only people here, which is kind of like weird, as I say, sitting in my basement. I apologize for that. Um, so yeah, welcome to my wax museum. Uh, why don't we start with how we know each other? Do you have like a specific, uh, specific first memory of meeting me, uh, or is it just kind of? Uh... I have to say, uh, like I knew who you were, kind of thing. But I remember playing kickball or I don't know, with some random FHE, and we I just decided to talk to you. I opened up and found out that you liked Avatar. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I told you about some experiences in my life. Oh, holy crap, that's nuts. Yeah, yeah, actually, okay, I, re- I remember that activity. I remember, like, um, before that, we had had, like, pretty minor conversations, you know, pretty inconsequential kind of stuff. Surface level stuff. Yeah, yeah, but I, I remember... Not exactly where I met you for the first time, but my first impression of you, which was just like, this is like a nice guy. Like, I feel like you're a pretty good, a uh, uh, pretty pretty good base level of like what what you imagine like just a loving, kind person would be. You know, that was kind of my first impression, and then uh, and then yeah, I remember that conversation that we had as well. I think there was like. There was kind of a water fight yes, going on as well. Yeah, there was a water fight. And, uh, and yeah, we had our conversation, chat about Avatar, The Last Airbender, specifically not the, not the blue Avatar. Um, and then, uh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. And that, that, was, that was a good chat. And um, I think that, yeah, that's probably about when I really came to be like Russell Caldwell, just like a good dude. And since then, we've had a lot of great conversations. Oh, yeah. um, so, so where where were you born? I was born in Calgary. Oh, really? Would you know which hospital? Yeah, Peter Lockheed. Oh, okay, yeah. So you're you're uh, east 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 Calgary, eh? Northeast baby. Yeah. yeah. My mom told me uh, I actually had quite a rough delivery. Uh, I guess her British canal quit contracting, so they vacuumed me out. Really? Yeah, and I had a student doctor, so he had the vacuum too high, so I had a massive hematoma on my head. Really? Yeah, and uh, I wasn't responsive, so they begged me and ended up blowing out my lungs. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, so I had to be under lights uh, yeah. to heal my lungs and stuff. So. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you had a pretty rough entrance, eh? Oh, yeah. And, like, uh, do you know what bilirubin is? No. What's that? So, do you know the RH factor with the blood? Uh, I've heard of it, but I have no idea what it is. Okay. So, do you know A negative and yeah. positive? So, the negative is no RH factor. Okay. While the positive is. Okay. So, uh, belly rubin has to do with uh, if the mom has, let's say, A plus blood, 
but in my case, I had a negative. Yeah. So my blood cell, uh, her blood cells were treating me as uh, disease basically was attacking me. Really? Yeah, and so with bilirubin, you can actually become uh, children that have it can actually become retarded at 8.6, and I was 8.6. Really? Yeah. So you were you were right on that cusp. on that cusp, eh? And so how I mean, so they they didn't know about this before you were born, though. Like that was something they found out. No, uh, they knew about it at the back, and were telling my mom this, and she's like, "Oh no." Yeah. Yeah. Holy cow! Because that, I mean, that's a lot of a lot of complications. Oh yeah. And so, I mean, you, I mean, obviously you've come through. Yep. Um, and that, like, that's crazy. You had like the craziest entrance into this world. What was it like that for your other siblings? Because you have four uh, older siblings. Yeah, my brother super quick. My. Uh, First oldest sister was super quick. My sister closest in age with me tried to hang herself in the umbilical cord. Yeah. So, you know, just a few time it just got a little bit rougher for my mom because yeah. my sister Ashley was like facing the wrong way. Yeah. Yeah. Drunk trying to hang herself, you know. Yeah. Not wanting to be a part of this room. Just, just keep trying to stay in. Um so and then yeah and then and then you have this uh crazy crazy adventure uh, obviously you don't like remember any of it which is nope. probably a very fortunate thing yep. um and and that was in 1994 yeah i was born may 12th 1994 okay and what so the medical technology was a lot different back then yes like way different back then did did you ever find out like what they kind of expected your survival no, rate to be like? Never asked that question. Yeah, that that'd be. I mean, that'd be pretty interesting to to find yeah. out that kind of kind of range because well, I mean, since we're in Canada, I was assuming it's pretty high. Yeah, where you know, out in the last developed country, I would have been dead as soon as my mom sees that would have been contracting. That would have been it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So, um, so, so going forward from there, uh, were the next few years of your life pretty, uh, uneventful in comparison? Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say as much. Yeah. My, well, my older brother is um, 10 and a half years older than me or something like that. Okay. I don't really know. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, when I was little, he would set up trip lighters and stuff in the hallway. Yeah. And would be like, hey, Russell, come here. And I would go and trip over and be flung to a banister and crack my head open. What? Yeah. <laughs> How old were you when you cracked your head open? Uh, multiple ages. You did it a few times. Oh, yeah, I didn't learn. <laughs> Holy cow. So, like... So and he he like planned for this to happen, no, or is just like going to the bathroom, yeah. But for you to trip like because it, it's funny, haha. Yeah. Like little brother tripped over kind of thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And then uh, holy wow. Uh, and so 
so a few trips to the hospital while you were little. Uh, do you know how, how, how many times you cracked your head open? Uh, not a clue. Not a clue, eh? Um, I mean, I guess if, if you don't have a clue, it's obviously a few too many times, eh? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I would say. Yeah. So, um, so, so then kind of, kind of moving forward as, as you went throughout your life, like I'm assuming part of your brother tripping you and stuff was his like teenage phase. Yeah. And, um, and you know, me, me being 10 years older than some of my siblings, I kind of know how that goes, you know? And so, so moving forward, you, you lived in the Northeast of Calgary your whole life then. And, and what, what was it like growing up in that area of the city? Is you just kind of, yeah, you just lived your normal life and and went about, um, did, did you have any like particularly interesting experiences at school or anything? In grade four, like, uh. I was always, my mom would like to say I was always behind the year when it came to, like, my reading and writing skills. Okay. So, like, in kindergarten, I wasn't interested in learning the alphabet or numbers in general. I was just there to play, basically. Yeah. And then I started to get interested in grade one and then, like, writing sentences in grade two and so on and so forth, where... People in my grade were, you know, interested in kindergarten, writing sentences in grade one, writing, you know, like little paragraphs, and then writing stories. Mm-hmm. Kind of yeah, and you're a little bit, a little bit behind on reading. Yeah. Yeah. And in grade four, we found out I was, I have a learning disability with reading and writing, basically. Okay. And what was that? What was that like for you? Was it? Was it? Hard to find that out, or was it kind of just like a well, okay? I feel like I was considered textbook, but like to me, it wasn't apparent because you know it was just like hanging out with your friends at school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so you can you continue going through with that. Was it? Did you did you feel like you were any different because of your learning disability? in grade five I went to a literacy intensive program yeah for two years at this great school called Dr. Oakley okay it had a really unique setup they had three teachers to every 27 students yeah and you know you would get in together for like classes like science and social studies but for writing and math you'd split off into smaller groups of nine basically Okay. And, uh, and Dr. Oakley, that's here in Calgary? Yes. Okay. It's, uh, by Martelou. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And what was, um, you know, you kind of got that little bit more attention, you know, one teacher basically for nine students and, um, uh, and how did that help you with your reading? Oh, it uh, actually really helped. And yeah. Improved my reading. It's where I would point to, uh, me, actually learning to enjoy reading and actually like been going ahead and actually reading for fun kind of thing because one of the regular assignments we had was you had to read for 20 minutes each day and mm-hmm. your parents would sign if you read or not yeah so you know you get a book that you like and 
Yeah, so I read uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Roja wardrobe before the movie came out. Okay. And that was, like, a really good book. You know, I'm not a big fan of the rest of the series, but... Yeah. Oh, you like that one? Yeah, like, the horse and his boy was pretty good, the magician's nephew, but it, I didn't overly enjoy it after, like, that point, like, Prince Caspian was kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah. But it but it got you into reading a little bit. Yeah. Do you think was the I mean, because you got you got into this little little piece of a love of reading, and do you think that that kind of uh, helped? Like it helped you read better. It helped me over, uh, helped me become better at reading. Like, yeah. Like in high school and stuff and you'd be given a book and you'd have to finish it. Yeah. So I was one of the slower readers in my classes and stuff, but I I feel like I had more of an endurance for it, so I it would take me longer, but I'd get to the same place eventually. Yeah. Yeah. And so um and so so you got into the reading and you got, you know, you know de- decent at it where you could actually you could actually do it um and and were what was it about the learning disability that made you struggle with reading was it pronunciation like understanding the words like i'm kind of curious um when i was little and my mom would try and get me to read i was a lazy reader basically okay when you're reading a picture book, the, you look at the pictures to give you a hint with the word if you can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I would get to make, and I would just be like, Mommy. And my mom would be like, no, it's a different word. Okay. <laughs> so I, I was kind of lazy when it came to reading picture books and stuff like that. Interesting. Yeah. In- instead of taking the time to understand what the symbols were saying you were looking at, you're just making an assumption based on the the picture. Okay. Like with chapter books, I feel like it was just a complete disinterest because no pictures. No pictures, yeah. What are you you know, who would ever read a book without pictures? That's my that's my real opinion. Um so kind of. So you you started to to appreciate reading a little bit more. Uh, was there anything else that they did you did for you at this school that helped you improve your reading? Well, other than that, uh, well, they had this little program going on that you could ask to be signed up to help you. Uh, it was a one-on-one program with the teacher, and I asked to have that happen for me and. My teacher at the time was just like, yeah, that's a good idea. I feel like you'd really benefit from it. So when everyone would do silent reading, I would go and read with a teacher, basically. And it would be a half an hour to an hour or something like that. I can't really remember. Yeah. But it would just be us reading. And then, like, there would be days where I read a chapter book or... I'd read, uh, like, uh, 
what to call it, like, not a picture book, but, you know, one of the more, like... Like a shorter kind of, like an, I think they say, like, novella, like a short novel kind of thing, or... Almost, but it, uh... Short story... Short story, but, you know, I remember reading one about snakes or something like that. Okay. And then they would have you write, uh, they would have me write something about the book. Yeah. I was working with one teacher, and I was quite lazy with the writing, and I would write one sentence, basically. Yeah. She would let me get away with it just because I was being lazy. Yeah. (laughs) But uh, she was, that teacher, uh... Her name was Miss Halls or something like that. Was leaving after like Christmas or something, going to a different school. And, you know, I had grown attached to her, so I was a little bit disappointed. Yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I was going to read with a teacher I still say is one of my favorite, Miss Brooks. And I wonder what's happened to her and everything. Yeah. But uh, I would go and read with her and she, when I would go and write one sentence she'd be like no you need to write a paragraph and yeah so it also helped me quit being so lazy when it came to my writing yeah <laughs> so so clearly uh the people that they had there were you know a huge impact on you yeah what do you, what was it about them that that did that they're just really caring individuals. Yeah, mm-hmm. they just actually cared to to see improved and uh, and make those changes. Yeah. Yeah. And how old were you when you were doing this? I was uh, nine to eleven. Nine to eleven. I was in that program. Yeah. And was that on top of your regular schooling, or was that completely? Well, you just went to a new school for two years. I just went to a completely new school for two years. Okay. And, had me take the short bus and everything. Yeah. So, you know, not retarded, but I rode the short bus. Yeah. But it, like, and it, uh, uh, and you're, you were there for two years, and the, the school is focused specifically intensely on literacy. Yes. Okay. So everybody else there was kind of in the same boat. Yeah. So that's why I say I didn't really feel different. Yeah. Because I was surrounded with people having the same. Yeah. And do you, do you think that that was part of what helped you improve is feeling like I belong here? I would say so. Yeah. It did feel, uh, it didn't make you feel inferior. It just made you feel, Hey, no one else is perfect. Hmm. I like that. I like that. I think, uh, I think we find a lot in our lives. Like when we realize that the other people around us are struggling with something similar or even something completely different. Mm-hmm. That it can kind of strengthen us mutually, right? Oh, yeah. So, uh, so you grew pretty close to the teachers. Uh, were there any Were there any students that you felt a closeness with? Like, what was that relationship like? Uh, well, uh, so I had two friends in my first year. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was in his second year, so he was gone, mm-hmm. and the other one was in his first year as well, but he ended up moving to Leduc. Oh, okay. So I went from having friends the first year to having no friends. <laughs> yeah. And basically. And did you like did you manage to make new friends there or was it kind of a tougher second year? A little bit uh, 
tough for your second year. I made friends, but not as good of friends. Basically. Yeah. They're kind of wishy-washy turns, basically. Oh, okay. And was it, um, was it always two years? Was everyone always just there for two years? Yes. Okay. And and can it be varying grades? Yes. Yeah. So there were some kids that were there from like I think grade three to five, and then they had so as they called it, they had teams. There was like yellow team, red team, blue team, purple team, green team. Yeah. Green team was more for the youth students in junior high, so it was grade seven and up. Okay. But basically, it was mainly uh, when you were diagnosed. Yeah. And accepted into a school. school. Okay. And and were you were you there with people from like varying grades, or was it just your grade? Well, in in your class or group. So. How I believe they set it up was, I think yellow team was like three to four, red team was like four to five, blue team was five and six, purple team was uh, five and six as well, I think, and then green team was just junior high. Okay, so it was in these groups, in these mm-hmm. kind of age groups. Okay. And, uh, and then after moving on from there, is it you know uh, you got out when you when you left? Did you feel like you had made like great strides in your reading abilities? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then you you just go back to your regular scheduled public school then? Yeah. Okay. The only difference was they would have uh, a teacher come and visit me like once a month. Okay. In grade seven. Yeah, and they'd check up and see how I was doing and everything. Yeah, and they have IPPs, did you, yes. independent. What? What uh, is it? Indi- uh, independent personal plans or something like that. Okay. Yeah. I haven't remembered the acronym. The acronym. Yeah, but you and that. Um, I'm assuming you had one of one of those. Yes, so that gave me uh, accommodations, basically. So okay. I had a little. I could ask for an extension on assignments or yeah, more. I not really with tests at that point. Oh yeah. Yeah, but I could ask for extensions on my uh, stuff with. Really, not much of an excuse. Be like, hey, let me just do it. And I'd be like, okay, next <laughs> Friday. And I'd be like, thanks. Thanks. Did you did you take advantage of, of that at all? Uh, I, I was completely lazy in junior high. So yeah. It was, uh, I did all the easy assignments. And yeah. I didn't care. <laughs> and then you just didn't bother doing the, the bigger ones? Well, just kind of. They would be turned in late without me asking for permission, which would have just made them late. Oh, okay. So I didn't really take advantage of it. You're just kind of like, well, it's going to be late either way. Yeah. And, okay, yeah. So so you can read now. You're just still lazy, though. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. Um, so then so then moving forward from there, um, you know, o- overcoming that, that trial, do you feel like that was, like, a big step in your life? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I mean... 
clearly it's impacted you like a, a, a decent amount. Um, would you say, say that you still struggle with reading um, other than just the, you know, reading slower? Or is it kind of... Uh, when I'm tired. I'll when, yeah. you read a page by accident and I'll realize I actually read it like three or four times. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you still read? Like, do you, do you, do you read much? Uh, here and there, not as much as I used to. Like, in grade 12, I've read the whole entire Ice of Sunfire series in a year. Really? Yeah. Nice. That was like five books. Yeah. And it, he's still making books. Yeah, it's still kind of going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I mean, that's pretty impressive. I, I would say. Um, so, so that's good that you've kind of kept it up and and kept it going. Um, moving forward from there, kind of growing up, uh, junior high was. Is there anything special about junior high? Any any experiences at all? So in the summer of. Between grade seven and grade eight, mm-hmm. I broke my jaw. And how, like, what did you do to manage that? So, uh, my grandpa owning the cabin out at the Shushawa. Yeah. We would go into Salmon Arm, a uh, town near the cabin, for church every Sunday. Yeah. So, we went in for church, and, you know, since we're out at home, we grabbed a bite to eat. And stuff. Yeah. And then uh, my mom and my cousins were floating around in Sycamus looking for uh, cassette tapes. So we okay. played them in the boat on the way home. Yeah. And this was. Wait, you took the boat to and from church? Yeah. Like just across the lake kind of thing? Exactly. Oh, sweet. Yeah. So, you know, we did that and we hopped into the boat, and this was during the August long weekend. Yeah. We're driving. I was sitting in the nose of the boat, and at this point, since it's August long weekend, there's a lot of stupid tourists that are going out in front of the channel and jumping out immediately to start swimming in front of the channel. Yeah, where all the traffic is moving. Yeah, not very bright. No, not at all. So, you know, I was sitting on my butt, and I'm like, I'm gonna look over the lake, and I'm like looking over the lake. And my mom didn't notice I was sitting on my knees now. And she was concentrating on making sure she didn't run over people. And I guess next to us, there was this guy who didn't know how to drive a boat. and was just plowing through the water. Yeah. Just making a giant wake. Yeah. And at one point, he, we ended up going over this giant wake. I saw it coming, and... Being the idiot, I thought, I thought holding on tight would be the smart thing to do. But it wasn't. We went over the wake, and then we, the boat came back up and bucked me in the face. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it broke my mandible yeah. on the right side. Holy cow. A clear, a clean break. Yeah. My four front teeth were shoved up into my maxilla. Which, which is like the upper... The upper bone here. Okay. Yeah. And splayed that apart. I ended up biting through my lip. Holy well. cow. So we stopped immediately and my mom's first thing she said was, not a smile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Does your mom have a bit of a sense of humor? 
a bit, but she was actually but, genuinely like not a smile because, in her opinion, I had the best uh, best smile of all of the kids. Yeah. <laughs> so you know now that's ruined. Yeah, it's like great, yeah. my favorite one. <laughs> uh, uh, holy cow! So, like, what what did that feel like? I was in shock. So. You just. Your your kind of your sense is kind of blanked on that. They said too much input and just yeah, like I knew it sucked and everything. Uh, they ended up like putting me in the back of the boat, holding uh, had me hold the boat right uh, right to my mouth. Yeah, and my sister was just like, "Hey, I'm gonna look up in the nose for some teeth if they put sorry if they're knocked out." And my mom was just like, no, they're all shoved up into his face. But my sister went and looked, and she did find a tooth. Holy cow. Yeah, so, you know, I'm kind of lucky about that. And yeah. We, my mom called my grandpa and told him what was going on. So we went back to the cabin, and he took a look. And at this point, we didn't know we I had broken my mandible. Yeah. And he... Pumped. He, my grandpa's a dentist. Oh, right. Convenient, actually. That's super convenient. Oh, yeah. He pumped, like, four things of freezing into my mouth. Yeah. So, you know, that was great. He stitched up my lip. Yeah. And uh, my mom was saying, uh, I think we need to take Russell into the hospital at Salmonar. I think he might have broken his jaw. And my grandpa's just like, no. He feels the outside of my face. He's like, no, it's not broken. And then my mom said, did you feel the inside? And when he felt the inside, I made, saw him make a really disgusted face. And yeah. said, you should take him into Saturn Arm. Holy. My uh, uncle was there, and he said, we should uh, call. <laughs> we should call Bishop Shields. Okay, yeah. And Samnar, he's a dentist. Okay. So we call him, and he ends up meeting us at his practice. And yeah. He uh, looked and was called, uh, got into contact with an oral surgeon in Cataloops. Yeah. And the oral surgeon said, we need to bring those teeth back down and split them. Holy. So <clears throat> he pulled each of the three teeth well, four teeth, because my grandpa shoved the tooth back in there. Yeah. Uh, pulled them all down and put braces on them to act as braces. Yeah. <laughs> and stitched me up a bit. So you still have your original teeth, like they put those back no. in? <laughs> okay, so you got replacements then? Yeah, uh, they ended up dying on me. Uh, oh, when really? I was 18. Oh, okay. But uh, they pulled down the teeth and responded them. So yeah. Had them for a bit. Yeah. And how, so how, how long did they last? How old were you when that happened? I was 12, 13. Okay. So you had 13. them for five, five years after yeah. that then? Holy cow. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, I mean, how convenient that your grandfather was a dentist, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and could kind of know what to do there. Now, your mom, she seemed to have, like, a pretty calm reaction. Like, is she pretty good in those situations? Yeah, she 
she has been really good about it. She, yeah. After all that, we went back to the cabin, and the next day we went back home to Calgary. Holy cow! And and uh, and so the the oral surgeon in Kamloops, he like he did everything. He like. So, uh, Doctor Shields brought the teeth out and everything. But okay. He was talking to neurosurgeon over the phone. Okay, to kind of get mm-hmm. some, <clears throat> some advice on how to deal with this stuff. Yeah, like, what you should do and everything. Really? Holy cow. Yeah. And then, uh, so you drove back to Calgary with a broken jaw? I didn't drive back. Well, I was 13, but my mom... You were, you were in the vehicle. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's no joke of a drive. How, how, how long of a drive is that? Like, it's a five-hour drive. Five... Traffic doesn't suck. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then you you get back to Calgary and uh, you go to some hospital or something, and we get back to Calgary and my uncle and my grandpa worked at the same dental practice. My grandpa owned it. Okay. So they actually had set up that I would go see an oral surgeon the next day. Yeah. And so we went and. So um, he was just like, yeah, there's an accident, so Alberta, uh, Alberta Healthcare will cover the titanium plate and the surgery. That's gonna Holy happen. cow. So, you know, Calgary, uh, Canada is super great. Yeah. I don't see why the states love it so much. Yeah, yeah. But uh, since it was an emergency surgery, we didn't have a time booked. Okay. So I had to go and wait in that office for like... Uh, most of the day to get the surgery. Yeah. But when I did, it felt so good. Really? Yeah. And it, it, just it, having my jaw stabilized. And yeah. Everything, yeah. Because, really like, what did that feel like to have that busted up? When I was in uh, at the at the cabin after everything, my grandma gave me a bit of ice cream. So yeah. I could like eat something, but I'd swallow. My jaw would go in and then out. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and that—that's insane. Yeah, and and then uh, so having that titanium plate in in there uh, and holding everything together, then like it it felt good afterwards. Like, what was the recovery like? Good. <laughs> it was just like straight sailing since then. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's fantastic. Well, I'm I'm glad your jaw got fixed. Like, holy cow. And I mean, amazing that, um, that, I mean, we have that technology that can just kind of get that done. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, you know, moving, moving forward for, from there, like what, like, what do you, what do you look back, uh, at that experience and think? You always got to account for buck and, uh, the buck in life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, get ready. Something's going to bust you up, eh? Well, more you need to anticipate what's going to happen next. Yeah. Don't hold so tight that you put yourself in the way of harm. You need to know when to, you know, loosen up a bit. L- loosen your grip. Yeah. And uh, do you think that can apply, like, in other scenarios in life? Yeah, you know. Sometimes it's best not to be clean in uh, relationships. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just kind of loosen your grip a little bit. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get a broken jaw. Yeah. 
Yeah, that might be applicable sometimes. Yeah, yeah, depending on the relationship. Yeah. Um, so that, so then uh, after that, you were about 13. And, and I mean, that's a wild... Was there any pain afterwards? It was just, like, fine. Or... I was... Well, when it first happened, I was high on freezing, basically. Okay, yeah. Because my grandpa pumped, like, four into it. Yeah. And, you know, just, like, all the painkillers I needed. Yeah. I, I was good. I was set. Really? So, yeah. wow, that's crazy. And uh, and so, moving moving forward from there, what... Like, what other other stuff in your life has gone down? I was diagnosed with a brain tumor when I was 19. Okay, so you were 19. Yeah. Um, and we've, like, we've talked about this a little bit, and you've shared with me uh, quite a bit of your story. Um, and and so when when you found that out when you were 19, you were done high school yeah. by then? Um, what was What was that like, like being told that? Well, for like a couple of months following up to that, and by a couple of men, like half a year, yeah. my mom knew something wasn't right, so she was taking me to doctors. And yeah. She took me to our family doctor at one point who was on vacation with his wife at that point, so there was a substitute, and, you know, she basically just told her, she was a overbearing mom to leave him alone. Oh, really? That you know, she's worrying about nothing. Yeah, and my mom was just like, "No, this isn't Russell. He's a lot more belligerent." Yeah. Like, for lack of a better term, I was a complete ass. Yeah, and uh, and you weren't. Be you were just. Were you like a little? Um, what what's the word? Just like lethargic? Were you just kind of out of it, tired? Like what was the symptom? Yeah, I was lethargic. So one of the main things was I was doing like my first year of school. No, it's the second year of uh, university then. Okay. And she wanted me to go to my classes, but I was just so tired I didn't want to go. Yeah. And that kind of made our relationship difficult. Yeah. But, you know, it's a good thing my mom knew me and loved me so much because some of the people she met were, were telling her just to kick me out. Yeah. Not let me live there anymore, but yep. she knew something wasn't right. And they... If she did that, I would have been dead on the street. Holy cow. And they, like, so people kind of thought you were just, like, bumming off your mom kind of thing. And... Yeah. Um, but, but she, she knew like, no, this isn't, this isn't my Russell. Like mm-hmm. something, something must be wrong. That exact terminology basically. Yeah. So she, so she went looking. For a doctor that would basically listen to her. Yeah. And, uh, she sent me to school in January. Yeah. I was going to Mount Royal at the time and. I went in and, you know, I wasn't feeling good. I thought I took a shortcut, but I didn't. And there some nice people are just like, no, they knew something was up. So they ended up taking me to the health and wellness center. Yeah. And I met this really nice doctor. His name was Dr. Davies. Okay. And he, uh, just before I met him, I was waiting in the, like, 
waiting room, and I asked the secretary where the bathroom was, and she told me where it was, so I went to use it, and I was just so weak, I ended up falling. Oh, really? I just fell over backwards, and I yeah. would have hit my head if I wasn't wearing my backpack. Holy. It was just so big that I fell back, and I was just like, oh, and tons of people came to help me, and they're like, did you hit your head? I'm like, no. So they just took me to the the doctor and he checked me out and told me if I wasn't uh, allowed to take transit home. Yeah. So I had to call my mom for a ride, which I kind of was fearing, but I had no choice. Yeah. She came and got me and picked me up and we went home. Yeah. But we went back to that doctor uh, two more times and then the last time they made a plan that if I didn't eat that, it was uh, Wednesday. Uh, I just need to look at the calendar. So, and this was at Mount Royal University, right? Mount Royal. Uh, okay. So, this was probably like the. It was the Wednesday. And if I didn't eat the Thursday, my mom was going to take me to emergency early morning on the Friday because they wouldn't be very busy then. Okay. And that he would just put an urgent request out to the foothills for an MRI, basically. Yeah. So the Thursday comes. I'm too nauseous. I didn't eat anything. Yeah. So the next day, my mom takes me to the hospital. We tell them what's going on, and they, like, you know, it's serious when the emergency calls you within, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. They give me a CT scan and found a mass in my brain about as big as a softball. Holy cow. Yeah. So where the tumor was located, it was uh, in the fifth ventricle. So deep down, yeah. the fifth ventricle is, is uh, it's where the cerebrospinal fluid flows down. Okay. Spinal cord. Yeah. But my tumor, originally like, you know, I don't know, like the size of my fist, got lonely, like I like to say, and decided to grow a cyst. Yeah. And since it was in the sinus, it was just compensating for the growth of the cyst to the point where the cyst was covering the the drain, basically. Yeah. So I didn't only just have the pressure from the tumor growing and pushing everything out. Yeah. I also had to build up the fluid, pushing everything in. Okay. Yeah, because yeah, your brain couldn't, like, clean itself out. Like, it couldn't get the fluid out. Exactly. Holy cow. And so, I, I mean, I guess that showed up pretty quick after the CAT scan. Yeah. The, you know, that's... You know, not something you have to check twice for. Yeah. Um, and and so where did it go from there? They, uh, I had to wait an hour to get transferred to the foothills. Yeah. And we get to the foothills. They want to give me an MRI, but they're apprehensive about it, about the plate in my jaw. Oh, they right. To find out if it was titanium or not. Yeah. And they weren't able to get a hold of my oral surgeon. Yeah. And so I told them, just give me the MRI. I've 
the oral surgeon told me it was titanium, but I have faith it was titanium. Yeah. Which it was. So, and w- what's the what's the reason for that? It has to do with the magnetic, because M and MRI is magnetic, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and is titanium not? No. Like so, it so it won't cause problems if it's exactly. in an MRI machine. Okay. So if it was copper, it might just completely it like my job. oh, which would be gory. Yeah. And an awful experience for everyone. And I definitely wish for death at that point. I think. Yeah. Holy cow! Or, and you know, I could just become Jaws from James Bond. I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> maybe you become a supervillain. I don't know. Um. So, so. They 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 took your word for it that it was titanium, yeah. and they and they put you in the MRI. Mm-hmm. Obviously, your jaw didn't get ripped off. And a little bit less good looking, I but I mean, a, a lot more pity marks they, the exactly. They say chicks dig scars, so <laughs> I mean that's a pretty big one. Um, so so then you like they they put you in the machine. Where does it go from there? So I uh, have the MRI on the 7th, that's the Friday. I then wait, have another MRI on Saturday, and I wake up on Monday and they tell me I had surgery on the Sunday. That it was emergency surgery because I was unresponsive. Holy cow. So this was like critical then it it wasn't like you have this developing in your brain we're gonna like get you in as soon as we can it was like if we don't get you in tomorrow you're like that's it yeah holy cow and so then how does that progress um i was on bed rest for two weeks after the surgery and the surgery like it went fine well uh they were able to get a biopsy and found out it wasn't cancerous. Which is great news. Yeah, and they had it between two diagnoses for what type of tumor it was. It was either an astrocytoma okay. or a ganglioglioma. And what are, what are those two? What's, what's the difference? Do you know at all? Really. I just know I have the ganglioglioma. Okay, okay. Yeah. And um, and what kind of does that entail then? Well, uh, so they got enough for the surgery. Yeah. I went to the rehabilitation ward because I just been laying in bed for the past like three months or something. So my muscles had uh, obviously atrophied. <laughs> to yeah. Keep my body alive. Yeah. Right. So I went to the rehab board to, you know, build out my strength and, you know, I don't want to fall down the stairs and end up back in the hospital. Holy cow. I was in the hospital for a month. Yeah. And, uh, so one of the big things about what happened was my grandpa and my uncle on the uh, Friday, met me uh, and my mom yeah. at the foothills to give me a priesthood blessing. Yeah. And that is the point where I really uh, got back in the church. Really? Because I know, we, I mean, we, 
you and I, before we started recording, we talked about that a little bit, how, how you had kind of left the church a little bit. Um, and this is the LDS church for people listening who aren't LDS. Um, you had kind of left on your, on your own, uh, kind of as a teenager, yeah. would you say? Um, and, and, and so they came in and gave you a priesthood blessing. Um, and what was that experience like for you? can't really say I remember. Yeah. All I know was, uh, you know, you hear brain tumor, you're afraid. Yeah. 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 And you need something. You need help. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so I, was it, was it your mother that kind of called on your grandfather and your uncle to come and do that? I need to be the type of priesthood holder that when an emergency comes up, I'm able to perform a priesthood blessing without any worries of yeah. it being effective or not. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, you, I mean, since, since the time that I've known you, um, I, I've definitely, um, seen you and I admire you as, mm-hmm. as a, good man as somebody that you know tries to just like help people give people a laugh like and just just be there as a friend for for the people around you um and so you know i i see that impact that your uncle and your grandfather had on you uh show through in your own actions and in your life the way that you treat your friends and the people around you um and so so moving onward from there i mean that's like a totally wild experience oh yeah it's not over yet (laughs) yeah so let's like let's keep going with it so you know i get out of the hospital and just hanging around the house basically not really wanting to leave the house because you know i gotta be careful with my head yeah (laughs) so we go through, I, uh, you know, I'm doing driving courses, you know, I had gotten my learners before, but I never gotten my drivers. Okay. So, you know, I'm doing driving courses, you know, we asked my neurologist if it was okay. She's like, yeah, it's all fine. Yeah. Nothing to be an issue with. It wasn't like I was having seizures or anything. Yeah. So, you know, I was doing that to keep me busy and stuff. And was the lethargy gone? Like, after the tumor was out, you were kind of back up to energy and able, or at least, you know, slowly when you got out of the hospital and stuff. Slowly, what it was, it was really weird. I would wake up at 5 a.m. I would play Minecraft because it was a nice little simple game while my brain was healing and stuff. Yeah. I would end up taking a one or two hour nap in the afternoon, and I would be up till about 10, and I was trying to repeat and then, you know, throw in a day I'm driving kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you kind of got going a little bit more back again with life and uh, and, and doing driver's ed and stuff. Um, So, and your neurologist said that was fine. Yeah. Um, so then, then how do things kind of carry on? So it was in November. I 
my mom was just like, hey, you should apply for a job, you know, get some money coming in. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good idea. And she's like, you should apply to that Skechers that are opening up at, uh, in the Sunridge area. I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. So I went and handed in my resume there. I got an interview right away mm-hmm. for, we'll say, the Wednesday. And then uh, I had also scheduled my driving test that Wednesday. So I made sure to have the interview after my driver's test. Yeah. So the day comes, I do my driver's test, I pass. I'm like, yes, Sweet. it's a good day. I go to the interview, I get the job. Nice. I gave the best answers that guy has ever heard for yeah. the questions he asked. Yeah. So, you know, every, that day, everything was turning up. Russell was like the best day of my life. Yeah. You know, next day, I go to a movie with my brother, my sister Ashley, and her boyfriend at the time. You know, really good day. Yeah. During that time, we uh, had seen my family doctor, and, you know, I hadn't heard anything from my la- about my last MRI, so yeah. we asked for a copy. My mom was reading it on the way home because I was driving to practice for the driver's test. Yeah. It said that this patient needs to be monitored closely and everything. And so when we got home, my mom called the family doctor and they had the same attitude of quit being a worrying mother, leave them alone kind of thing. Quit being a worrying mother, you know, when you just got a huge tumor removed. Like, exactly. Yeah. So it wasn't completely removed because they got the diagnosis, uh, but, you know, so much pressure on the brain. They kind of released it a little bit. Yeah, it was probably like, you know, Old Faithful coming out of my forehead. Yeah, just everything cleaning up. Yeah, so, you know, she calls the switchboard at the foothills, and then they put her into urgent neurological care. Uh, she leaves a message. They phone back in five minutes and tell her that we have an appointment for the, like, following Wednesday after the best day of my life. Yeah. So we went and see him, my neurologist, and he apologizes for having such a crappy secretary. She was on her way out and wasn't really doing her job anymore. Oh, really? And uh, he said, looking at the MRI, I think we're at the point where I'd like to do another surgery to try and get rid of the tumor. And he was just like, I'm just going to go look for a date. And he comes back and he says, okay, they offered me December 19th. And my mom's just like, is there anything sooner? I'd kind of like him to be at home for Christmas. And she's like, okay. uh, The other day they offered me was November 25th. And that was in a week, like a week, a week from that day. Week Holy cow! Day. So we're just like, oh man. <laughs> he's like, they also offered me Friday, but even I had need time to prepare for this. Yeah. And so we were like, yeah, we'll do that. And so I went into Skechers and told them uh, I'm going to have brain surgery. So you know, uh, if they want to like not have me work here anymore that's fine they're like no just call us when you're ready to work and we'll schedule you wow that's good of them oh yeah yeah really like that manager yeah and you know just continue like 
you do you basically. Yeah. You get better. And uh, so I had like, you know, like four ships before all this, and one of them has uh, is on the Tuesday before the surgery. Yeah. And so I finish my shift there. I go pick up a prescription at the co-op at uh, Village Square Leisure Center for, you know, the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and while I was there, uh, I went to pay for my prescriptions. There was a woman ahead of me getting some groceries, and she asked for a courtesy clerk to come help her with her, take out her groceries for her. Yeah. And the cashier tells her that all of them went home and they no longer have any baker, uh, courtesy bakers. Yeah. So I told her if she waited for me to pay for my prescriptions, I would carry her groceries to her car for her. Yeah. And she happily accepts, and so I do this, and like all the way to her car, she's talking about how my mom raised such a good kid, you know, super good. Yeah. So that was, uh, I later realized that Heavenly Father gave me that experience to help distract me from the worries of the surgery next day because, you know, I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't realize it to, you know, till I was at the hospital laying down that this could be the last time I'm awake. Yeah. Holy cow. And like, how did that, how did that hit you? Well, you know, once they put the mask on you, <laughs> it's just kind of like, like oh. yeah, count back from 10, you know, I think I got till seven to seven or something like that. Yeah. Before the anesthetic hit me. But looking back on it, that, that's a scary thought. Yeah. Yeah. So you had that, just like that moment of, you know, just being able to help somebody out and knowing that you're doing something good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, before you go in for your uh, surgery the next day. Um, and so I, that surgery was successful as well. And like we're. Uh, and so I spent three days in the hospital yeah. for uh, this surgery. And I was in the hospital in my neurosurgeon came and told me that the surgery was successful, that they got about 95% of the tumor. He would have liked to get more, but, you know, he didn't want to dig at that gray matter. Yeah, there, yeah. yeah. Since it was attached a bit to the right hemisphere. Okay. Yeah. That's obviously, I mean, a delicate surgery to begin with. Yeah. Um, 95% uh, was that, you know, how much was left in it after the first surgery? Uh, they basically didn't get much because oh, really? they had a bleed and they're just like, oh, okay. I can't really do much. Yeah, but basically, then. Basically, all they did for me was relief, uh, release a lot of the excess. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then on this one, they got most of it out on that second one. Yeah. Um, and then where, where do we go from there? Um, well, uh, just before the surgery, my uncle, the one that met us at the foothills, gave me a blessing that uh, my surgeon's hands would be guided. Yeah. And the fact that he got 95% of a tumor. Yeah. Got to say, his hands were guided. Yeah. Holy cow. So the, you know, obviously it's been, it's been a spiritual journey for you. 
uh, as well as a journey of health for you. Um, And so uh, is, is that the last of it? Like, was that still one more step? (laughs) Still one more step. So let's go, let's go there. So my uh, neurosurgeon to help get rid of it, uh, the rest of the tumor sent me to my radiologist, Dr. Lim. Okay. And he was referring me to get the gamma knife uh, radiation treatment. And basically, it's a one-and-done treatment. And as uh, Dr. Lim put it, it is like really uh, receiving an ocean full of radiation right to the tumor, basically. Yeah. And he didn't like that idea. He was like, that's way too much radiation for someone your age to take. And yeah, because they keep, they keep pretty hesitant on uh, giving, giving young people radiation. Yeah. Yeah. So he was able to talk me down to 28 treatments of traditional radiation. Okay. So I had a CT scan, and oh, sorry, they made a... Uh, mask that would go over my face to keep me still yeah through this procedure or through 28 of those procedures and my mom said i should you know just quit my job and i told her no, no, no let's wait till i get a phone call and yeah you know actually have a solid idea when i'm gonna start instead of me just sitting around not making money yeah yeah and so this was about April, and we're going through most of April not hearing anything. So, you know, of course, we're getting worried, everything. And then my, while I was at work, my mom got a phone call from Dr. Lim saying that he doesn't like any of the scenarios with the traditional radiation. Yeah. And that's because the tumor, where it's located, is basically right next to the brainstem. Yeah. So, that... Uh, how traditional radiation works is they use the photon and the photon particles are really light so you know they hit their target but they carry on oh okay so there's a lot of peripheral damage from traditional radiation that's why you know you go to your dentist and you get the lead apron to go over top of you while they take your x-ray yeah okay so they didn't like that, so he said, uh, I would like to refer you to uh, the Proton Radiation Center down in Jackson, Florida. Yeah. And that he's already met with uh, the Juvenile uh, juvenile Cancer or whatever council to determine if I was considered juvenile. And it was a unanimous yes that I was a, juve- a juvenile. And that he's also going to put my case towards out-of-country services. And that's, you know, the Alberta government paying for this proton radiation treatment. Yeah. So, uh, we had to wait for that. And the next time they met was in, like, July 3rd or something. So, you know, my mom's saying it was a good idea not to quit my job. Yeah. So I continue working away at Skechers, and then uh, July 3rd comes, and I get the call, and the call was, it was approved that they'll send me and my mom down to Jackson, Florida, 
originally they didn't approve my mom, but she was just like, my son's an idiot. And she, it's like, yeah, good point. Let's make sure you get yeah, down to yeah. <laughs> yeah. Need somebody taking care of you. Yeah, exact wording, but yeah. Yeah. So we head down to Jackson, Florida. Uh, we had, uh, it was, uh, we were leaving August 21st was the day I was planned to be there. Which kind of sucked because my best friend was getting married September 5th. Oh, I was wow. was the best man. Yeah. <laughs> Holy cow. So I missed that, which kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah but, oh well. I mean, you had yeah. arguably more important things to be dealing with. More obligations. Yeah, yeah. I would have liked to be there. I feel like we could have pushed it a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so we go down there and they were... They told me it was the same plan. It was 28 treatments mm-hmm. of proton radiation. So the difference between proton and traditional radiation is instead of using the photon, they use the proton from the nucleus and the atom. Okay. And, you know, that's a bit heavier. So it hits the target and it stops. Oh, okay. So, you know, there's less less peripheral damage. If yeah. So... I do 28 treatments of proton radiation down in Florida. So it was every weekday I would have a treatment, and then I'd have weekends off. So me and my mom would take a little trip to, you know, entertain us. Do something, yeah. Yeah. So uh, one weekend we went to the Kennedy Space Center. Cool. And, you know, the week while we were waiting for him to plan everything out, we went to... Universal Studios to go see Harry Potter Land. Nice. <laughs> nice. Which was a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I've never I've never been, but that was a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Would recommend. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe I'll get down there. Well, I'd recommend it. Like, uh, one of the cool things was they had, like, the Green Gods Bank. Yeah. But they had, like, the dragon on top of it. And oh, sweet. Had, like, every 15 minutes, it would blow some fire. Really? Yeah. Like you could feel the heat when it blew fire too. Like, yeah. Like it wasn't like obviously in the crowd kind of thing. Yeah. It was close enough that people could tell it was real fire. That's so cool. So those little those little weekend trips, those were like a little bit of light. Yeah. Uh, so there was uh, this young man from Edmonton also receiving the proton radiation funny story was uh, he was born at the Lockheed really May 13th the day after you 1994 holy cow uh, his mom went into labor before mine oh poor woman yeah this guy is built like a linebacker really has a pumpkin head yeah (laughs) so I can see why it took her so long yeah but, you know, in comparison, my mom was in and out with me. Yeah. And how badly Even with I those was. complications, holy cow. Yeah. Man. So so you meet meet this guy down there. Were you able to, like, relate a little bit then? And Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I still talk to him here and there kind of thing. That's awesome. But uh, his dad was, uh, is a part of the Army. Yeah. So 
he was there for the treatment and nothing else. Yeah. And one important thing I've noticed between us, uh, between us and all the other people down there from Canada, there's two others, that the people that were making the weekends for fun are ha- were having more success with the treatments than the people I didn't. Really? Because my uh, friend, his brain tumor keeps growing. He recently had uh, another surgery to get rid of it and another MRI saying that it's still growing. Yeah. So So you feel like kind of, you know, you got to get out and like continue living life. Exactly. Despite what's what's going on during the week. Yeah. So that that lent you a lot of strength then. Yeah. Yeah. just the uh, approach, like when I first Dr. Lim, uh, met Dr. Lim, he was all doom and gloom, but, you know, my mom told me that this uh, treatment isn't a treatment of doom, it's a treatment of hope. Yeah. And we should treat it as such. So, you know, instead of being like, oh, this is going to be a horrible experience, I was going through it thinking this is going to be a good experience. and Yeah. Uh, another great spiritual experience I had down in Jackson, Florida, was before uh, the first treatment, me and my mom had gone to church in Neptune Bay, uh, Neptune Beach. Okay. And uh, we met some missionaries there, so they were able to give me a blessing the Sunday before the treatment. And... Uh, it was a really good experience. Yeah. yeah. Because when I went in there, they uh, put on my face mask, and I just said a little prayer to myself and fell asleep. And, you know, that's like half an hour to 45 minutes, but it was every treatment I fell asleep. Yeah. And later talking to other patients... You know, once that face mask went on, they're awake through it all. So really, I and just really appreciated that comforting spirit that I was just able to fall asleep in an uncomfortable situation that I didn't have to lay there and suffer through the treatment. Basically, yeah, that's a little tender mercy that you're kind of wow. So you, I mean, throughout this whole experience, you relied a lot on on your faith. And, and, um, and it seems like the, you know, the kindness and the care of your mother too. Yeah. Uh, Another little thing was the Alberta government wasn't paying for accommodations. Mm -hmm. So my grandpa gave me $10,000 US to go down to the States and be able to stay comfortably. To cover it. Wow. And, you know, that another reason why it was great to have a, a dentist for a grandpa, basically. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, and the kindness of a family. I mean, throughout our uh, chat here on the podcast and throughout the conversation we were having beforehand, I know family is, like, super, super important to you. Mm-hmm. And so was that, like... At the end of that, at the end of the 28 treatments, was that it? Was the tumor gone? No, uh, I still have a bit of the brain tumor, but it isn't growing. It's not doing anything. It's not an issue for you. It's not an issue. Uh, 
So uh, up until a little bit ago, it was I had two MRIs a year, you know, every six months to keep track, and they're always just telling me the same thing. No growth, all good. How yeah. are you feeling? It's just like all good. Yeah. So uh, last year, my yeah, neurosurgeon told me, uh, just let uh, Dr. Lim take the lead on this. I'll see you every two years. Wow. And then my last uh, appointment with uh, Dr. Lim, he told me, you're doing good. I'm going to say I can see you once a year now. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So, it's, I mean, obviously a long journey. that Because, I mean, you're 24 now. Did it, it like... That was like at least four years uh, of your life, kind of. Four and a couple of months, basically. Yeah, holy cow! And now, you know, you're. You, I mean, it's still something that they'll check up on. Um, you know, every year, every two years. Um, but moving forward from there, what are you doing now? What's like? What do you do? Just working trying to figure out what to do with my life yeah trying to find that special lady yeah because uh one thing i have always had was this goal to be a dad and yeah no i remember this one time my uncle was teasing me for being a sensitive guy and yeah told me what kind of father are you gonna be if you're so sensitive and i told him in my opinion, the best kind of father you can have is just another mother. Yeah. Well, I know you're you're pretty close with with your mom, obviously, and uh, and she, you know, I mean, she's obviously been good to you and there for you. Yeah. Well, single parent households do that for you, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's my hero. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess in a lot of ways, eh? Mm -hmm. That's awesome, man. Well, I mean. Thanks for, thanks for sharing all of your life with me. You know, um, I pre I appreciate your friendship. Um, and I, I've had a lot of, a lot of different people on, on this podcast. And I mean, you're probably the, the sweetest soul. You're, you're a gentle guy, you're a kind guy and, and you're a good friend. So thanks for coming on. And, um, Thank you. I mean, n no problem. Thanks, man. <laughs>